0: The weather, the, the past week or two has been um, quite hot. Is that fair to say? Yeah? Uh, I remembered uh, the other day that uh, this month, 25 years ago, June 1998, I went to the arid desert of New Mexico, you know, and I think it was about the same sort of temperature as this has been. I travelled to Albuquerque for a a business meeting connected with my old job as a scientist and while there uh, I visited a museum it was the National Atomic Museum uh, which reflected the work of nearby Los Alamos and visiting that place uh, I spotted an old sign Uh, from the 1940s, that had been um, at the gate of the site, telling the staff to keep things quiet. You know, what you see here, what you hear here, when you leave here, let it stay here. You know, that was it. it. It's the careless talk cost lives message put into a bit of a rhyme. That restriction obviously didn't apply to the things in the museum nor to what is in our passage. In fact, secrecy is the opposite of what Jesus is wanting. You've got to shout it from the rooftops is not keeping it secret, is it? Things that have been in darkness will be in light. He wants things to be heard wider and wider. And although he says that he comes to bring the sword, he's meaning that in more of a metaphorical sense, that the word will be division rather than weaponry. Leading to bloodshed. Yet at the same time, he recognizes that as the mission of God proceeds, there would be persecution. There would be pain. And the disciples that he's sending out need to be aware of that. Our passage is a continuation from where we were with the sending out of the 12 last week. This is Jesus continuing to brief them. He's given them further information about what they were likely to encounter, even among the children of Abraham, perhaps even among their own families. Jesus had already experienced people rejecting his teaching. And their sharing of the word will be rejected. The Lord, as an individual, not just the teaching, but him himself, had been rejected. And they, too, would be rejected as people. People have claimed that Jesus was demon-possessed or perhaps the evil one personified. And such attacks will be launched against the 12 as they take the message onwards. But the Lord tells them again and again that they do not need to be afraid. It doesn't matter what those people say or do to the apostles, they do not need to be afraid. Because they can trust in God. In the rejection of message, Jesus says, Don't worry about it, because all will be revealed. The great fear for every prophet. But everyone that speaks God's word is that they'll be found out to have spoken something that's wrong, spoken something that's a fraud, something that's not of God at all. And we see that in the story of Jonah. It's what Jonah claims in the fourth chapter was the reason he didn't go to Nineveh. Because he was sent there to proclaim that it was going to be destroyed and it didn't get destroyed. It survived. He said it'd be torn down in 40 days, but the city was spared by the Lord for the citizens repented. And instead, Jonah sulks and grumbles. How can his word be taken seriously again? As the apostles share the truth of God's love in the villages and towns, they can be confident that one day the fullness of that love will be seen. It will become known by all. It may be that people reject truth now, but the rejection does not make that truth false. It remains true. Just because people don't like it and reject it. People can develop their own understandings, but it doesn't change reality. The earth is a spheroid. Now, whether flat earthers believe something else, that's their problem. It doesn't change the truth about the shape of the globe. That's just how it is. People may reject the message of the Son of God, the message of the coming kingdom, but one day, the fullness of that kingdom will be seen. It will be revealed to all And every knee will bow. In the risk of rejection of apostles by people, Jesus says there's no need to be afraid. They may suffer. They may even lose their life. But they do not need to be afraid. There's something greater than life. Because they will not lose their spiritual life, their soul. No one can kill a soul that has been one for eternity. It cannot be separated from God. That eternal life has already begun, and it continues in the believers. But if we ourselves reject jesus then that is a rejection of our salvation and we have thrown away ungratefully our future hope if we disown him he will disown us in worries about how we will manage. Jesus says there is no need to be afraid. There's a common thread here, isn't it? The earth is God's creation, and he loves it. Small birds, like sparrows, were two a penny, it sometimes tells us in the Bible. That's not quite the right translation, but the, the cheapest of meat, the value was... Two for the smallest copper coin. You could get thirty two or more with a day's pay. Yet Jesus declares that the Heavenly Father cares about each one of those sparrows. He cares about each creature, even the smallest ones. He knows their fate. And you are far more valuable, far more valuable. He cares about you and he provides for you through the sunshine and the rain leading to harvest. He gives in love the means of our redemption. His one and only son, Jesus. when the apostles feel the emotional pain of rejection, when they are at the lowest ebb, they can still have the hope of Jesus. In times, we might feel low. We might feel weary. We might feel tired. We might feel alone. God still cares about what's going on in our life. He knows it and he cares about it. He cares desperately for each one of us. We are therefore sent out not to be afraid, but sure that although we may have great fear that we have in sharing the message of the coming kingdom, those fears are rooted in earthly things (coughs) And there is something greater. Something far, far greater. We are heaven's people. And no one can take that away from us. No one can take away God's love. Our salvation. Or the truth that has been given. No one can take that. And as we share this truth. It's likely that there will be turmoil. Not just the turmoil that we hear of on the news, but turmoil in the lives of those that we interact with. Turmoil for those who hear and choose to become believers. Jesus wants people to hear the gospel and be transformed. He wants encounters with God to happen. And encountering God doesn't leave people unscathed new believers will find themselves at odds with their families and with their friends. They may be led to change much of their way of life and will want those who are closest to join the journey of faith. But our parents, our children, our siblings, our neighbors, our in-laws may not be so keen And this is the sword of division that Jesus is talking of. It necessarily comes and cuts. Father, son, mother, daughter might all fall apart where one chooses to follow the way of Jesus and another one does not. If our number one priority, though, is serving God and conflicts of interest arise, then surely doing things God's way, heeding the call is how we proceed. And that causes difficulty. And we can't simply avoid that difficulty. There will be times when difficulty comes. That's the reality of the choices that we have to make in our life. Jesus speaks again and again during his ministry of this reality that there are choices, but do we make the right choices? Invited to the banquet, do we go to our own field instead? Do we go off to our own business? Do we tend to a family matter, which is actually a convenient excuse? The kingdom grows. The church grows when God's people who are sent actually do go into the world. Revival happens when committed prayer takes place, setting aside time when we could be doing something else. Revival happens when the hearts of God's people are crying out for his change and are open to how he will lead them in that. Rather than being comfortable in who they are, we have to seek who God wants us to be. It is only in denying our personal priority and putting our focus on God's will for us that we are truly his people. Denying self, picking up the cross, and journeying forward. The Prince of Peace came into the world to bring about the day. The day where heaven will be seen on earth. Where sickness is ended and all sorrow is over. The sword is put away, guns silenced, weapons of all sorts will solely be museum pieces. But God's peace is more than the end of battles, it is the coming of harmony, of praise to God, and the living of a life of love. We often remain at a distance from such a kingdom. We often put our own priorities ahead of what his priorities may be. We remain at a distance, but we must take the risk of proclaiming with passion that the kingdom is coming near taking the risk however great that risk may be amen